0: It's Ball Talk, it's Ball talk, talk, baby, play it's play Ball Talk, it's Ball Talk, baby, talk baby. it's Ball Talk, it's ball, ta- talk. it's ball Talk, baby, right it's Ball Talk, it's Ball Talk, baby. 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 baby,
1: baby, 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk podcast. It is currently Monday, February 15th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Yerrigans. Chaz, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good, man. You know who it is. I'm excited to be back talking ball, talking everything NBA. Excited to be back just watching the games. So many games every single day. It's, it's almost like it's getting ready for March Madness or something.
1: Oh, it... I'm excited for March Madness. <laughs> you heard the, N- the NIT is going to be back. I'm excited for that. Mm. Jalen Johnson just declared for the NBA draft and jumped out of Duke literally I think an hour before our episode was filmed. <laughs> So I'm not ready to talk college hoops. College hoops is crazy. And I much prefer the G League. I'm going to be real. Yeah. I really I've, – I've been watching the Ignite. I, I am mm. loving watching G League Ignite more than any college basketball team. <laughs> I love G League Ignite. I hope they make a second team next year and have two teams of like four to five prospects each. I think that would be great. Putting that out – putting that out there. Putting yeah. that out there. I, um, I do watch some college basketball too, though. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. Today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. We're doing a league check-in again, just looking around the league. We're going to mostly focus on teams in the West. Now, Chaz, can you please ask me why we will mostly be focusing on teams in the West?
0: Well, John, I I do declare, why why would we be focusing on such Western conference today?
1: I will tell you later. (laughs) Before we dive in, (laughs) breaking news. Blake Griffin is reportedly going to sit out until they figure out his playing future with the Detroit Pistons, Mm -hmm. which means he's probably going to get traded Or bought out. Reported he might get bought out. Same deal for Andre Drummond, who has stopped Mm -hmm. being amazing for the Cavaliers ever since the acquisition of Jared Allen. To match for either contract in a trade, Mm -hmm. to match for either contract in a trade with the predict. I don't see it happening unless it's another Albatross contract being traded. I don't think anyone is going to try and stack contracts to get one of these two players. Look, now, as far as Albatrosses, they can be traded. I think LaMarcus Aldridge and Al Horford, both are kind of guys that might get into that. Mm-hmm. Or one of the Supermax deal guys. But I, I doubt a trade is happening for either of these players. Yeah. And now, if the deal isn't done, both of these players might get bought out. For Drummond, really straightforward. Nets, super interested. He could get more than the minimum. That'll be... You know, super team potential right there if he keeps playing like he did at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin is going to be a lot more interesting. He has a $39 million option for next year. I'm wondering how much he'll leave on the table. I'm wondering if he leaves any on the table at all. I'm wondering if he leaves the entire option off the table. It's going to be an interesting time putting that out there.
0: Yeah, Any I mean, thoughts from you? <laughs> I mean, for Blake Griffin right now, it's just, I understand, obviously, the desire to want to play and play for a championship team, and doing that in Detroit is obviously not what's going on. And they have a different build to their team and what their organization. And you know, a credit to the front office for deciding that we want our young guys to get the minutes. We want these guys to be able to get more PT and Blake Griffin on the floor and on the roster. It isn't helping them with that. It's not helping their development. So he doesn't and, need to be playing for them. But
1: and they're holding back the plum dog millionaire from getting more triple doubles.
0: Free, free my boy Mason. <laughs>
1: Free, free the plum dog millionaire get all assemble all the plumleys
0: that, that's what you really need to do i need to see one team with all the plumleys and all the holidays on at the same time all, and see what all happens.
1: the plumleys all the holidays all the zellers mm. um maybe we could get the lopez brothers there together oh i wonder if like they could just turn into like a power rangers like megazord you know how they do it
0: yeah they just or all form time. into <laughs> one team <laughs> no but I, for for blake griffin I find it really hard to to turn down $39 million. I don't know about you, yeah. It seems like a lot of money to leave on the table just in, in search of one year of a potential championship ring when you could just – I mean, you could take that money and sit out the whole season and then just be a free agent and go get your vet min then and go chase after that. And mm-hmm. I, I, don't know. I,
1: I was telling you before the season that I think that after Blake Griffin's $39 million option, he should sign up the Lakers. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I just don't get how you turn down $39 million, unless there's something we don't know. Unless there's something we don't know. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I, we didn't know about Gordon Hayward. I heard everyone had been – with the way Celtics fans talked about Gordon Hayward, I had been spending too much time down in Boston. I thought he was a minimum-level player. I'm kidding, obviously. Hyper, <laughs> hyperbole for all those that don't know. But the way, the way that people were talking about Gordon Hayward, I thought we were looking at a $15 million max, max deal. He winds up getting 30 million. Look, it's entirely possible that there's a market out for Blake Griffin that someone is believes in his ability, someone who's close to the team, believes in his abilities and is willing to give him a two-year 20 million. And that's, I mean, that's all the money back. If he gets a two-year mm-hmm. 20, he gets all the money back. Spread out a little more, but he gets another year of playing and then his value doesn't become a minimum. Da 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 da. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Personally, I, I don't know how you turn down 39 million for anything less than a guarantee (laughs) that you're getting that again i don't understand how you could turn down that much money
0: yeah especially
1: especially because if he's bought out he signs as a free agent this off he signs as a free agent now or Mm -hmm. he's just the season like i don't know
0: yeah i don't think there's there's much of a market for blake griffin as good as he is and as good of a piece as he can be i think to a championship roster and what he brings to a locker room and the work ethic and he blake griffin is one of those guys that knows what it takes day in day out to be great and work hard and compete in the nba at a high level but for for 39 million dollars you can usually find someone who can do that that has a skill set on the floor that trumps blake griffin's a little bit right now from what he's been bringing the last few seasons i love how he's grown his game and adapted to the new age nba he puts the ball on the floor a lot better his handles a lot better he could shoot it but his above-the-rim game has essentially disappeared, and it's not like he shrunk. <laughs> you're still six nine, <laughs> six ten, my guy. Like, I understand if your knees aren't where they used to be, and you're not jumping the same way. You, but. Six foot ten, you should go put the ball in the basket with two hands, pretty strong every single time. So,
1: I, I'm feel I feel personally attacked right now. I feel <laughs> That's why, why I said six
0: attacked. ten instead of six nine. You know, thank you. I appreciate,
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. The, it's a big inch. I'll make sure my chiropractor doesn't stretch another inch out of my back, exactly. Dr. Perron, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we move on from this, I just want to give my surprise call for mm-hmm. where Blake Griffin might wind up. My surprise call is. OKC Thunder for Al Horford. Maybe Detroit throws in a first. Maybe Detroit throws in two seconds. Maybe Detroit throws in Sekou Dumboya Maybe, who knows? Who knows? But it's less money. They could waive him and only keep his $14 million hold for next year. And, Detroit, I mean, OKC Thunder loves their assets. And Blake Griffin's from OKC. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I think yeah, the OKC thing is is one thing that I really thought about. I think a team that I want to throw out there just in case it happens is the actually the New Orleans Pelicans. I think they might think of Blake Griffin as potentially someone who could space the floor for them, who can let Zion play the five. I don't know how reliable they believe his shot is, but Stephen Adams is under a big contract that I'm sure they could get off the books because Blake Griffin's will be off their contract completely before Stephen Adams is, so could be something that I don't know. Stan Van Gundy wants to to take Blake down to the body would see what's going on, but.
1: Oh, man, I I got two funny things I can throw. Would you rather (laughs) rather I make a clown on uh, on the Steven Adams signing or make a clown on Zion? What's your call?
0: Oh, yeah, we'll go for the Steven Adams signing because I like Zion. All
1: right, I'm going to start with with uh, Steven Adams signing and then I'll clown Mm -hmm. on Zion first. Uh, Steven Adams, I like that he got traded. He got traded less than a year ago, and we're already talking about how you're supposed to dump his contract. And that's (laughs) hilarious to me. I think that's so wrong. There is no reason that they need to give him that extension. Why did that happen?
0: Yeah, no clue.
1: It was a, <laughs> it was a collective head scratch by everybody the day it happened. Mm-hmm. And he's also the highest-paid center in the NBA right now because of his trade kicker. Everything about Steven Adams is amazing. I love Steven Adams, and I yeah. love that he's making every one of those dollars because he is great. But I'm loving that he's not making it on my team. Love the big Kiwi. And you mentioned Zion at the five. Mm-hmm. David Griffin came out and said that he considers Zion Williamson a point guard.
0: I mean, David Griffin said a lot of good things for that team <laughs> in New Orleans right now, notably winning the lottery. And and that's about, about it.
1: And like, getting five first round picks for Drew Holiday somehow. Hey, that was a steal. That was that was a, a finesse. I mean, I don't know that those picks are gonna be worth a lot with with Giannis staying there, but those 2026-2027 20, 20, ones are juicy.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's just future assets, if anything. But, yeah, that uh, the Pelicans team needs a little more help than Blake Griffin, I think, right now. But we'll yeah. talk about them another time, I'm sure. We'll have some time to talk about
1: them. In the meantime, <laughs> let's talk about some stuff that's fun. I wanted this yeah. to be a fun, positive episode with a lot of positivity because I feel like we've been negative. I, I feel like I've, I've said the words, burn, burn it down, uh, start <laughs> up from the ground, rebuild, and trade everybody too many times. I feel like I'm turning into a 2K GM. <laughs> that's not how team building works. You can't just burn it down. You cannot shout out to Bill Simmons was trying to tell me that we need to burn down the OKC thunder, that they need to trade shy and Lou to tank properly. No, that's not how you tank.
0: No, you so tank really. by getting
1: good young players, letting them keep winning. If your young players are winning, you don't need the tank. It, it, it tests itself for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And with flattened lottery odds, you don't need a bottom four rank. You don't better to let your guys win and pray and hope you get lucky. Than to trade everybody and then get the fifth pick and not do well. And I'm not going to say my fifth prospect because I haven't watched enough of his games and I don't want to disrespect him, but Chaz knows who it is. And if you know me, you can probably guess who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the record, I love the G League Ignite guys. It's neither of them. Uh, <laughs> All right. Now that the breaking news is done, all this uh, this is done. Let's kick this off with the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. Utah Jazz are currently drum roll please twenty two and five point eight one five winning percentage. They are one, they're on a seven game win streak. Have won nine of their last ten. I think seventeen of the last eighteen or something insane like that. They're first and- seed in the entire league. They're completely dominant this season. Chaz, I know you have the stats. Yes, I know sir. you
0: have the stats. Give it to us. Tell us the stats, man. Utah Jazz, man, 18-1 and one in their last 19 games is the record they're on right now. They've been tearing through the league. They're number one in three-pointers attempted, three-pointers made, and fourth in three-point percentage as a team throughout the season. Only 0.6% away from being second in the league right now. This team gets up a lot of shots, and they make a lot of shots, and it makes it real hard for our teams to keep up with them throughout the game because they keep shooting them. And they keep making them like something that a lot of teams haven't seen before. To go along with their three point shooting, they also lead the league in defensive rebounds, total rebounds, and are fourth in the league in offensive rebounds as a team. That so to even
1: Rudy
0: shout out to Rudy Gobert. He's been getting a lot of boards. Um, he got overpaid. And we came out here and said the Jazz gave him a lot of money. And don't get me wrong, forty million next year is gonna look like a lot of money for Rudy Gobert, but he's doing a lot of work for them in the post. He's doing a lot of work for them in the paint.
1: So Dude, John Hollinger called Rudy Gobert the MVP of the league. John Hollinger was saying that Rudy Gobert was an MVP candidate. That, that's where I get that moment. I love John Hollinger. John Hollinger, if you ever listened to this, don't get me wrong. I love your work so much. hmm but sometimes you say stuff like that, and I'm like, man, like, come on.
0: Somebody might have wanted to check what you put in his coffee that morning. because he, he <laughs> he's,
1: he's married to the advanced stats. He's absolutely – he's got a wedding ring on for the advanced okay. stats. I can't only put on my ring finger. <laughs> advanced stats right there. And, I mean, hey, all respect, but, man, Rudy Gobert is not the MVP. But he's been playing really well. So, Look,
0: two, yeah.
1: I, I got to say this. A lot of people have been comparing this team to the Atlanta Hawks – from 2015 with mm-hmm. Al Horford, Paul Millsap, Jeff T, Kyle Corbett, Damari Carroll. I don't like that. I don't like that. Gobert and Mitchell are better than everyone on that Hawks roster. Honestly, I'd even take Conley over all five of those guys too. They even have a bench. Guys like Jordan Clarkson. I'm not going to name the entire bench. Mm-hmm. Jordan Clarkson. They're legit. And I love Quinn Snyder as a coach. Yes, sir. And I'll admit, back then I did love Mike Budenholzer, but I love Quinn Snyder as a playoff coach. And I've seen him in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. the adjustments that he makes in the playoffs are really, really good. At times, a bit too—what's um, the word? Optimistic. He he thinks that his team's gonna adjust a little too quickly. That's why mm-hmm. they when they did that series against uh, Houston, where they were guarding from behind. Yeah. Guarding. It worked for two games, but by then they were down three-one. Took a little too long. Look, he's, he's optimistic. He believes in his players. I love him as a playoff coach because that's a risky move.
0: Mm-hmm. Changing
1: your whole defense like that drastically, risky. And you need to have those times where you mess it up to learn what your team can do. So, you know what? I, got? I love Quinn Snyder as a coach. I love Quinn Snyder as a coach. I love this, this Utah Jazz team.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great example of the the culture and the trust that's built within this Utah Jazz organization between Quinn Snyder and his players within the front office, within up and down this organization, pretty much. They seem to be really in tune with one another. All the guys are working together. They work as a unit. They have the ninth fewest turnovers in the league. Like this team is really a well-oiled machine. They can switch in and out of sets, in and out of defenses, like clockwork. Quinn Snyder's got them running beautiful basketball. They... As a team, defensively, they allow the lowest opponent effective field goal percentage in the league, holding teams to under 50% in a game. Meanwhile, they themselves have the fourth best effective field goal in the percentage in the league at 56%. So they can clap you up on one end and make shots down the other. Their defensive rating is second best in the league, offensive rating, fourth highest. Like There's so many stats that I can go through this Utah Jazz team to tell you why they are so fantastic. But really, it's it's an involvement and it's an iteration of the new age NBA game of you get up, high, you get up high percentage, high effectiveness shots, you get rebounds or you get back. That's all you do now. And that's what this team is embodied. And we have yet to see if it'll really be effective for an entire season and for a playoff run. That is true. But the way this team is playing right now, they've got six guys scored in double figures, five of them at 14 or more a game. Five of the guys that are scoring in double figures are also shooting 37% or higher from three, which is all five above league average. If these guys can keep on their streak and keep their momentum going, they, they won't be 19-1, 18-1 in every 20 games they play, but they stay up above an 80% win percentage. This is a dangerous team going into the playoffs and someone that's going to be
1: hard to beat. You, you, you said it well. Going into the playoffs, hard to beat. Because here comes my real question. Mm-hmm. Here comes my real question. Are they good enough to compete with the Lakers? Look, last year, no one could compete with the Lakers. The other LA team couldn't even get to the Lakers. The Nuggets got shmacked. Mm-hmm. Can the Jazz compete with the Lakers?
0: Well, you look at the Jazz, and obviously, one man who presents – a huge matchup problem for everyone in the league, not only the jazz, but especially the jazz because of how their team is constructed as LeBron James. Don't really have a big man who can guard him. That being said, I'm not going to say Bojan Bogdanovic is by any means an elite defender, but he's played LeBron before. And there's something to be said for someone who stood in front of Le- LeBron James before, even if he gets 35 triple doubles on his head, someone who's done it and knows a little bit of what to expect is something that's very valuable on a team that plays such good swarming defense to such great movement. Royce O'Neal is a great big defender. They got other guys. Joe Ingles can stay in front of people. Rudy Gobert helps lock down the paint. And I don't know about you, but watching that Laker game yesterday, is Anthony Davis going to be all right going down the stretch of the season, John?
1: Oh, man, you're moving too quickly. You're moving too quickly. You're moving too quickly, okay? We'll talk about the Lakers later. We're not talking about that yet. All right, my emotions – no, you've got to be too emotional now. This is why we were supposed to wait. All right, man, calm me down for a second.
0: Tell me how Utah matches up with LeBron because I think think, both –
1: I don't think it's impossible for Utah Mm -hmm. to beat the Lakers. Putting that out there. They have got personnel. I like Joe Ingles as a LeBron defender. I like Joe Ingles as a defender, period. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like Rose O'Neill as a defender. Boyan, I mean, I don't think he's a good defender, but he's not a bad defender. I like their defensive scheme in ways. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If Gasol or Marquise Morris is balling, if one of those two guys is going out there and hitting above 35% on threes, and I don't have the stats in front of me right now. I looked at them the other day. I'm pretty sure both of them. I'm pretty sure both of them are shooting at least 33 right now. Mm-hmm. Both of them are shooting at least one point of possession on threes right now. Mm-hmm. If, you, if either of them is shooting above 35, the Jazz defense is done, though. Because the Jazz, the Jazz defense, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because they stole their defense from a playoff run. Yeah. So the Jazz defense, is, it's, a, but its in my eyes now, it's a regular season-only defense mm-hmm. for one big reason. They rely entirely on bundling everyone towards Rudy Gobert. And then Rudy Gobert is cheating off of his man to basically play free safety. Yep. You remember the 2015 Warriors versus Memphis series? The yeah, Warriors' yeah. first championship run?
0: You're gosh darn right I remember the Warriors series against the grinded-out
1: Grizzlies. Love that series. Love that series. I watched that one with my grandfather, I think. I watched at least a few games with him.
0: Down 2-1 in that series. Could have been the end of the, before the beginning.
1: If Mike Conley doesn't get hurt, I think it's mm. the end before the beginning. But that's another topic for another time. Yeah. The Warriors played the exact same defense with Bogut cheating off of Tony Allen. Tony Bogut would basically camp the paint, give Tony Allen about 10 to 15 feet of space, and Tony Allen couldn't hit threes.
0: Yeah, goddamn, I love T.A., but he could not shoot the ball.
1: Like, at all. <laughs> and it worked they, they beat the Memphis Grizzlies they won but here's the issue who is the Lakers Tony Allen yeah they, they don't have anyone on their on their starting five that I'd be comfortable leaving open from three look Marc Gasol maybe but mm-hmm. I mean he, there's also a chance you get a vintage Marc Gasol and he shoots 40% Dennis Schroeder is shooting below 35 but I mean he shot what like 40 last season
0: 38 yeah, I'm, I'm still not gonna leave him <laughs>
1: I'm not leaving him open. There's no one on that on that lineup that I want to leave open. They bring in the bench. I mean, Taylor Horn Tucker can't shoot, but like everyone else, everyone else.
0: Yeah. No, and I think another big problem with this this Utah Jazz defense and the way they run is they do a lot of swarming. They do a lot of funneling, like you said, to Rudy Gobert in the middle, and especially against a Lakers team who can and does play five out, does make sure to space the floor, make that's their big stand outside so LeBron can work the inside or Taylor Horton Tucker can work the inside while Anthony Davis is standing in the far corner. Like Rudy Gobert is either going to have to switch off Anthony Davis for a majority of the game when he's standing outside, or he's going to be forced to play outside and have to run back and make recovery plays, which is when Rudy Gobert tends to be at his worst, is when you need him playing full speed because he just starts flailing and jumping. And when he's forced to make quick plays and quick decisions, that doesn't tend to be his bright spot. So this Utah team, I think they're really going to end up relying on a guy like. Derek Favors has played a lot of switch defense for them, and he hasn't been good throughout his NBA career, don't get me wrong, but he's looked to improve this season. I don't know how long that's gonna last in the playoffs, but he could provide them some good minutes. And Jawan Morgan gives them a lot of good switchy minutes as a big man off their bench. I think he could play both he could play both LeBron and Anthony Davis sparingly. So
1: keyword sparingly.
0: They're gonna have to use a lot of different sets and a lot of different pieces, obviously. Against the Lakers is no easy task. But
1: yeah, I I mean also let's just say this really quickly. Every team is still trying to figure out how to beat the Lakers. The Lakers just demolished the playoff competition last year, completely steamrolled it until mm-hmm. they got to the finals, where the only reason they didn't win in five again is because Danny Green missed a wide-open three, and then Markeith Morris passed what should have been a wide-open jumper. <laughs> if either of those shots go down, the Lakers won in five every single round. Mm-hmm. They were completely unbeatable. If Jimmy Butler doesn't go for 40, they won in five. It, it, there's. It took the Miami Heat – going supernova and getting a bunch of luck for the Lakers to not win in five and they won in six
0: I was gonna say is if the Lakers had won in five in every series is that the fewest losses for LeBron to win a championship in his postseason career four I think it might have already
1: been
0: might have already been at five yeah
1: might have already been with all with the with the one six I think it might have already been or it was if not it was close like
0: very I mean, weird stat. Not something a lot of people would look like, at. I don't even know. I would have to. I, I think, I three think three. actually,
1: I think if he swept, it would have been. I think I read that. I don't know. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm gonna look this up. I'm interested. But after <laughs> the episode, maybe I'll tweet it. Maybe I'll tweet yeah. it. Who knows? I'll, I can get on Twitter more often. Mm-hmm. But look, is- the, the, the next question, though, is we said, okay, so we're not sure if they can beat the Lakers. We're not sure how they match up with the Lakers. I'd I, I say it's neutral to not good. How about that?
0: Yeah, they don't match up particularly well, but they are a very good team so you got to give them a little bit of benefit of the
1: doubt. Yeah, and like it's not it's not like anyone matches up great against the Lakers. You know, there's no yeah, team yeah. that you're like that's a great matchup for the Lakers. If they see them they're done. Look, look, yeah, no.
0: except for the Clippers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's actually the next question. Utah versus the Clippers. No. The Clippers Clippers are shooting the highest of any team I've ever seen in NBA history. Mm -hmm. Everyone on their roster that's shooting more than one three-pointer a game is shooting above 38%, literally. No hyperbole, no exaggeration. Every single person who's shooting more than one three a game is shooting 38% or higher. What?
0: Hey, Pat Bev said it best the other day when he hit that shot. I think it gets the. No, Bulls. I
1: refuse. You're not allowed to quote him. Nope, nope, not uh-huh. happening. Not, I'm, not, I'm not, allowing this. <laughs>
0: All right, I'll, I'll paraphrase then. Pat uh-huh. Bev, <laughs> Pat Bev but. hit a corner three. I'm pretty sure it was against the Bulls when the Clippers were already up like 20. And as he shoots, he shoots the shot. He he takes the the spin around classic Steph corner three. Took look at the bench before the shot goes in. Make that go viral because the Clippers are shooting like that this year. Everyone on the team is shooting like that. Ev gets slewed all over NBA Twitter whenever he does his weird flopping and his intense foul in. But you know what? He hits corner threes where he can spin around before the ball goes in. That deserves to be out there for people to see. Ev can shoot it. Everyone on this Clippers team is shooting it like crazy. Even, even Bobby Schmurter, Reggie Jackson, is shooting that ball like crazy this year. Nick Batum, mm-hmm. a complete resurgence to his NBA career. I think the Clippers are a tough matchup for everyone this season, even the Utah Jazz.
1: Oh, agreed. Agreed. Actually, since I checked the stat yesterday, Bobby Schmerder, Reggie Jackson, has fallen below .38. And also, Serge Ibaka dropped 2.38. I'm very sad. I love that stat for the day that it existed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is he above 36.8, Reggie? He's at 36.9. That's above league average. Let's go! <laughs> Red, Reggie! So we got the, the Jazz. I mean, I don't think anyone – I'm going to be real. If the Clippers keep shooting like this, mm-hmm. they're the team to beat, period. period. And no team has ever shot this great from three ever before. I don't know how you're supposed to guard it when – I mean, Marcus Morris can essentially play backup center for them. Yeah. So they've got two, two five-out lineups that everyone can shoot a, a way above average from three. <laughs> Marcus Morris, I think, was shooting 48% last time. when I just had it open. I just closed it like an, like an idiot. Like, the, everyone can shoot from like, – I don't know how you guard that. I'm telling you right now. If they keep shooting like this, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. If I'm the Lakers, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. If I'm anybody, yeah. that is unstoppable to me. That is, a, that is an unbeatable offense to me. And the thing with
0: the Clippers that makes the shooting so odd for me is the fact that they have had a lot of – Turnover, not turnover with the roster, but injuries and lineup management that a lot of other NBA teams have had to deal with. And as other teams have struggled and lost games and this and that, the Clippers have done that too. But for the shooting percentage to remain so consistently high, no matter how many guys are in the game, like I see Terrence Mann in every single Clipper game now. He gets about 12 to 14 minutes, it seems like for them. It's got like Terrence. Hey, he's not a shooter by any means, but he's out there and he's he, can put the ball on the floor. He makes plays for them. And guess what? Everybody else is hitting that. P Mm -hmm. Pat is hitting shots. Serge Ibaka is banging threes. Marcus Morris has missed like half the NBA season, knocking them down. Kawhi Leonard even was one of their worst shooters to start the season percentage wise has picked it back up to being damn near 50, 40, 90. Paul George is pretty much the whole team is almost 50, 40, 90 right now is how well the Clippers are shooting the ball. So they're a dangerous, dangerous team, and I mean, for the Utah Jazz, what they really, what really surprises me about the Utah Jazz's success is they don't really have typical lockdown defenders on the perimeter. Like you look at Rudy Gobert,
1: two Royce times. Royce O'Neal, but
0: other than him, yeah, yeah. two ta- But Royce O'Neal's not even in their starting five. If you really think about it, who, they're, who they they run out? Maybe he starts at the four for them. I'm, I think I'm he starts. I think he sure. starts.
1: I'm pretty sure their starting lineup has been Conley, Donovan Mitchell bojan and then one of favors and royce o'neill but usually it's royce o'neill
0: that's right either way they've they have had like mike conley's been out for the last three four games for them they've had a lot of lineup changes but what, all i mean to say is they don't really have an individual lockdown defender that you would send out to go get a star player the same way that the lakers or the clippers do with anthony davis paul george kawhi leonard a guy like that so when you look at the, the Lakers-Jazz matchup, you see Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. It's someone for Rudy Gobert to guard, someone to lock down the paint and try to force the Lakers out. But the way this Clippers team is playing the ball, it's like, Utah, you want to get shots up? Guess what? We could shoot it too, and we could shoot it well. And who is Rudy Gobert going to guard? Like, he's going to come out and guard Serge Ibaka on every play. Mm-hmm. He's going to go small ball. We're going to have Luke Kennard. Reggie Jackson, Kawhi, Paul George, and Marcus Morris out here, you, Rudy Gobert can't be on the floor with that lineup. He's not going to be an effective player. He'll, he might get you a few offensive rebounds, but he's going to have to step out on every single three-point attempt because every single one is going to be from a good shooter. So this Clipper team is going to cause a lot of matchup nightmares with their shooting. The Utah Jazz are going to have a tough, tough time in the playoffs
1: to keep their defense as a lead as it has been throughout the regular season so far. All right, and now is my time to talk about the Lakers. I mm-hmm. told you it would happen. It's time to talk about the Lakers. The Lakers just won seven games in a row. Well, they we'll lost see. one yesterday. Who cares? Yeah. They lost seven in a row. Three of those games went to OT. One of those went to double OT. And another one of their games, they were down 22-2. to two. Look, this has just been an insane run to watch. I have hated every second of it. Am I, pan- <laughs> am I panicking? Am I panicking? No. Am I having heart palpitations every night? Yes. Yes, I am. My doctor hates the Los Angeles Lakers. Every every time I see the LeBron play over, like, 36 minutes, I wince a little bit. Like, he he was complaining about playing. Was he not just complaining about playing too much with the All-Star game? Like, did I read that? Did I read his quote wrong? Did I listen? Did I hear him wrong? Like, I make sure to read the quotes, too, because I know my hearing isn't perfect.
0: Well, I think I have no effort. I have no energy for an All Star game this season. Was it was. Like I mean, I'm not nights. disagreeing with that, but
1: man, you're leaving it all on the court, okay, Bron? <laughs> no I wonder agree, you should leave it on the court. All Star games are stupid. Leave it all on the court, but man, dude, dial it back. It's it's February, dude. It's 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 February. It's February, like. Hey, I mean like, it. Who's sending
0: him out there, though? Is Frank Vogel telling him, go out you, there, win this game again? You,
1: first- you think that anyone can tell LeBron when to sit or not? <laughs> if Le- you really think that if Frank Vogel sent a sub for LeBron and LeBron was like, no, LeBron would just be like? No,
0: I mean, obviously, if LeBron wants to play, LeBron wants to win, he's going to go out there and play the game. But I'm just saying, as a team-wise, the Lakers are looking at an Eastern Conference stretch that they were just on where you go into overtime and back-to-back games, three games in a row, at a certain point, you got to think, like, do I really want LeBron pushing full speed up the court in a third straight overtime game? Because no. I, I don't know what the state of that groin is. I don't know what the hamstring is. You're tired. You've been, you've been going through it a lot in the last couple of weeks, Bron. Like, take it easy, palo. Like, I,
1: I, I'm going to say it. Like, I mean, I, I was honestly happy to see that they finally lost to the Nuggets. <laughs> they need to get home and they need to take a nap. They've been on a crazy amount of road trips. They need some break. They need the some n- break. Get LeBron back in his cryo house. Yeah, and I mean, talking about break, Anthony Davis just announced he had a cap strain. He'll be out two to three weeks. You know what day two to three weeks from now is? March, March 4th, the last game of the season, of the first part of the season. First half of the season, yeah. The Lakers, Anthony Davis is going to get a nice five-week break to rest up, hit the cryo chambers, hit the hyperbaric chambers, hit the everything, get all his rest on, which is needed which is much more important than some February games.
0: Are, are you saying Anthony Davis isn't going to be voted into the All-Star game?
1: Don't. Don't vote him. Don't vote Anthony Davis into the All-Star <laughs> game. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Start Kawhi Leonard now, please. Thank you. I'm, I'm <laughs> Amendment to my to my rankings right now. <laughs> I'm ending it. I'm putting in Kawhi Leonard. I'm taking out Anthony Davis. I'm putting in De'Aaron Fox. I'm taking out John Moran. Even though I think John Moran is an All-Star, I think I just don't think it's his year. I don't think he's got the narrative. But that's a whole discussion for another different time. Love you, job. Love you, job, Brent. <laughs> like but Anthony Davis is out two to three weeks. I-, I have in my notes. I imagine he hasn't played until after the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Today we're filming. He's not playing until after the All Star break. Yeah, maybe he plays one game before. I would doubt it. I, I imagine there will be, be a shocked. small slide with the Lakers. Unless they've got a really good fit, good favorable stretch of games coming up, but I'm looking at it now. We got Timberwolves, Nets, Heat, Wizards, Jazz, Trailblazers, Warriors, Suns, back to back then the Kings.
0: Those are about eight playoff teams. I'm pretty sure you just listed off
1: right there. I mean, really? to be fair, there's twenty playoff teams in the league at this point. Like they've got Silvia yeah, Day they- off. Tomorrow they got tomorrow they got the, the Timberwolves day off. Nets, they are, oh yeah, this is going to be, they only have one more back-to-back.
0: That's it's
1: nice. It's going to be the Suns and then the Kings. Uh, this is not going to be an easy stretch for the Lakers. Someone is going to need to step up for them. I imagine there will be a small slide, and you know what? That's okay. It is very much Okay.
0: And as much as it it hurts to obviously see Anthony Davis go down and watching the game yesterday, he did look to be in some serious discomfort coming off the floor. So I hope it is just a calf strain and he will be able to come back and be healthy because I think it was Richard Jefferson on the call last night that I was watching saying like an injury like that is something where you just don't know. Every once in a while you feel 100% you're back on the floor. You've been running two or three weeks and then one bump, one slight movement could tweak it all and send you all back to square one. So. Hope that he has the time to rehab that he needs, obviously. And this Lakers team, I mean, for one of the things that we talked about since the beginning of this offseason, of this season, is that the Lakers did have the best offseason pretty much of any team. So they they should have reinforcements to be able to win some games here. I mean, Anthony Davis going out is obviously a huge loss for everyone, but Montrezl Harrell will be able to get more minutes. Kyle and Kuzma's been going off. Kyle Kuzma's been going off, but Michael Porter Jr., all the way up on a poster the other night against Denver. That was nasty. It's
1: great to see. <laughs> great to
0: see. And, I mean, Marcus all maybe gets some more minutes. Maybe they get someone else to bring up from the G League. I don't know what their situation is, if they have a free roster spot, what they're going to be able to do. But Dennis Schroeder obviously hasn't had the best give season me, so far. Give me Costas
1: on Takumbo. Give me Costas now. Look, I got to ask. I got to ask. I want to keep this moving. I got to ask. Is it time to panic? I don't want – I, you know, what, I asked. I don't think we. Need, I, I, I'm no. I'm not asking. Actually, I don't care. I don't think we need to panic. Do you think I you think,
0: do you think the Lakers need to be worried if, if you see, if the Lakers' shooting goes down below as a team, 35, 34 percent. They've the next been shooting games. like
1: butt all year, anyways. No one on their roster is having a particularly amazing three-point shooting year anymore. I mean, I'm pretty sure Caruso and KCP both came down to, to earth. I don't think KCP's hit a three over the last like three games or something like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I think this Lakers team we are going to see a slide, and obviously, just not panic because Anthony Davis will be back. But how far down they get in that Western Conference, you can never know because there's a lot of teams that are going to be winning games in the West. Could see the Lakers as low as like five,
1: six They're, to go to fall below four. They are three games ahead of the fourth-seeded Suns, which That's actually smart. brings me to my next next yeah. uh, the next thing I want to talk about. Who is the fourth best team in the West? I think it's the Nuggets. But the Phoenix Suns are the four seed right now. Mm-hmm. We met, they're getting a lot of media attention. I thought it would be worth mentioning them. The Suns are on a hot streak right now. They are 9-1 over their last 10 games. Before that, they started their season 6-2. Mm-hmm. They then immediately went 2-6. And, and I got on this pod, and I said that I was pretty lukewarm on them. Now they're on this streak, 9-1. And, and I got to say... They're streaky. <laughs> they're a lot of fun, though. Yeah, they're a fun team, but they're mm-hmm. a weird team in my eyes. Their starting five is kind of perfect in my eyes. I-, I love the I love the balancing of it. I love the true true point guard in Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. I love the offensive machine Devin Booker. I love Mikael Bridges coming into his own. Uh, I love it's Mikael, not Miles, right? Mikael, yeah. Awesome. I love Mikael Brady just coming into his own as more than just a three and D guy that mm-hmm. as a guy who can put the ball on the ground a bit and make some plays. Yeah. I love Cam Johnson. I just love Cam Johnson. I mean, mm-hmm. Kobe white made me fall in love with Cam Johnson. I don't think I've ever heard one Cam Johnson interview, but I love Cam Johnson. Thank you, Kobe white. I love yeah. Cam Johnson more than I love Kobe white. Honestly. Um, <laughs> I, Deandre Aiden. I love Deandre. Aiden. I think mm-hmm. that he has in, infinite potential, but that bench is weird. Kaminsky, Crowder, Campaign, like the rest of the um, the Misfit squadron that they bring around. Don't don't you dare call Dario a Misfit. I'm calling Dario a Misfit. Dario I'm calling Dario Misfit ca- i call anyone from the Process Area 76 who's a misfit.
0: Dario gave him 15, 4, 4, 2, and 1 the other night. He's uh, pretty pretty elite to me.
1: He's played nine <laughs> games so far. Um He's played nine games. He's putting 18 and a half minutes a game. Let's see his. 44 from the field, 32.4 from three, 95 from the free throw line. So does he get to 50-40-90 by the end of the season, Chaz? I don't know.
0: No, he won't get to 50-40-90. He's not that (laughs) kind of a shooter. But for him, like 48-36-90 would be good enough, you know? That would be insane. That would be
1: nice for Dario. That would be insane for the Dario brother. Um,
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I really love this. I'm sorry I said
1: that out loud. I'm sorry (laughs) I said that out loud.
0: I really love this Phoenix Suns team, man. I mean, Devin – I'm sorry. I think he said over the offseason that he doesn't go by Devin. It's just Book now because he doesn't like D-book. the name. <laughs> it's just it's D-Book so weird, or Book. But, okay. but all right, Book. You know what I'm saying? He He's having a good year. And I think really this Phoenix Suns team, it it's a lot of the Chris Paul effect to me. And you think about a team, like, transitioning – if you look at the NFL and what Tom Brady was just able to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you just – you put a guy – who knows how to compete and knows what it takes at an NBA level and is a great teammate that people like playing with in a gym, in an organization and just let him do his thing. And it might take a little while, you know, like guys are going to have to learn to play with him, learn to love how he plays, learn the organization. But as a team, this Phoenix Suns team is really coming together. And Chris Paul is such a great leader, such a great just person, like a fantastic human being or goes to Chris Paul. He's a, Great guy. Love what he does to their team. And what he brings and teaches Devin Booker how to create and how to lead the team, has shown Mikkel Bridges how to be more effective as a 3 and D player, but also as a growing NBA-skilled developing player, teaching DeAndre Ayton where to be on his lobs, where to be on his defensive schemes. I think this team, we're going to see a lot of streakiness from them. They are not necessarily going to finish as a four seed, but if they finish with an at-large bid for the playoffs, this is going to be a scary team to play because they're going to stay with you down the stretch. They got shot makers. They got playmakers up and down their roster. And it's just you look at a team that's going to be in a close games down the stretch. Who else would you rather have but a guy like Chris Paul leading with a team like Devin Booker who can get a bucket at any time. DeAndre Aiden who can battle with pretty much any big in the league with his dimensions. So, this Phoenix Sun team is going to be really scary in the Western Conference. One team that I didn't think was going to be as good as they are right now. Chris Paul has really brought this team together.
1: I, I mean, I, I really like. I really like this team. I really mm. like this team. But I still think they're too young for me to be call, talking about them seriously in the playoffs. I hope that they can keep that four seed, but they are going to be streaky. I imagine they're going to have another losing streak coming up. I I, I would love to see them not. You know, I love nothing more than watching this love. Nothing more. Than watching mm-hmm. They're watching teams win. I just hope that they wind up losing to the Lakers on, uh, what is it, March March 2nd. Please lose. Um, <laughs> I hope they win every game until then and every game after that. But March yeah. 2nd, please lose. Look, like, teams where literally everyone but one of their starters and everyone but one of their bench rotation players have never been to the playoffs tend to struggle in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. These aren't the teams that you bet on winning it all or even winning a few series. With that said, I would not want to see these guys in the playoffs. Yeah, I would not want to be the team that gets matched up with them in the first round. I would not want to be the team that gets matched up with them in the second round. I hope that they make it to the second round, and I think if the last ten games have been more indicative of their play than the eight before it, Mm -hmm. I think that they're going to make the make the second round. If the eight before it are more indicative, then I don't think they'll make the playoffs. (laughs) I think that they're somewhere in the middle with this last ten being more representative. Yeah. I I could easily see them getting to the second round if they get a good matchup. I could easily, I honestly, I could see them even making the conference finals if they get lucky because this team is hungry. Yeah. They're going to be so hungry. Mm -hmm. Chris Paul is going to be so hungry. He's going to give an insane amount of trouble. This team will give so much trouble to a team in a seven game series. If they play a team that's particularly aloof, Mm -hmm. that's particularly full of themselves, I think the Suns could get the upset. And if you look around the West, I see plenty of teams that fit the bill of a team that could be aloof. Mm -hmm. Look, I doubt a LeBron team could ever become like that. That's just not how he handles himself. That's never how we've seen him. He is a monster when the playoffs come around. I don't – I'm not – no. Like Mm – Lakers are off the table. But the Nuggets, they've looked out of sorts after last season. Mm-hmm. The Clippers literally had that mentality last season. And they've continued to fight amongst themselves this season. All I hear about are more trade rumors coming out of this team every week. Lou and
0: Pat Bev are on the market. Lou and Pat Bev are <laughs> on the
1: market, but Pat Bev is turning around after threes. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I- <laughs> I,
0: to be fair for this Phoenix Suns team, I don't even think they necessarily need other teams to disrespect them. I I agree that it is a little bit weird when you come into a playoff series and you don't have guys that have been there before. But in a year like this year where, spoiler alert, probably going to be a playoff bubble. If not, yes. probably going to be in front of empty arenas. The playoffs don't have If the there's same. no bubble, then
1: it will not be empty arenas. I'm telling you that now.
0: I It – Well, for the states, usually it depends on the state restrictions. So you never know what the actual state is making about that. But it's true that if there is no bubble, it is most likely that there'll be a 1,000 or 2,000 fans in the stadium. But regardless, a lot of those playoff nerves and what comes along with your first-time playoff run is the atmosphere, is the screaming crowd, is the show, all the like pomp and circumstance that comes with playoff games. And in a bubble or in an empty arena, that's not going to be the same effect. And I mean, if you want to talk about bubble success, point no further than this Phoenix Suns team without Chris Paul. Like they already went 8-0 in a bubble. They know how to play. They know how to get themselves together. So I think Devin Booker is one of those guys that, yes, it could be his first playoff run, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to crash out or have a terrible time. DeAndre Aiden, it will be his first time in the playoffs. But these are kids that have been high recruits their entire lives. Like they – there's no reason they couldn't step up into the pressure, into the moment with a leader like Chris Ball to show them how to get down and how to be focused on every game and, and really make a run at it. I'll tell you right now, I put a bet out before the season started the Phoenix Suns the outright Western Conference champions. That's a ridiculous
1: bet. But Oh, yeah. It wasn't a lot me. of
0: money, and it's for a, a ridiculous payout. But it was just like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll throw a little money on this. This is the team I like the most.
1: <laughs> I like that. Now, look, I don't think we can talk about the Suns without mentioning – that they took Jalen Smith instead of Tyrese Halliburton. And Halliburton <laughs> has been the second best player on a Sacramento Kings team that has finally started to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Suns, what are you doing? And, and, like, this isn't even like a hindsight move. You know, I, I hate, I hate, I hate when people come in and try to tell me what should have been done with hindsight. Yeah. The moment the draft happened, I texted you saying mm-hmm. this was a mistake.
0: I'm pretty sure it, by like pick six or seven, we had both said that Tyrese Halliburton should not be on the board anymore. Like,
1: I never went that far. I, I think it was. I said that. I'll have to pull it up. I'll have to pull up the draft and see what exactly the. I think it was after Killian Hayes. I was. I liked Killian Hayes. I liked mm-hmm. the idea of Killian Hayes. I needed him in a risky situation like Detroit. I liked it. Yeah. I think. The moment Killian Hayes was off the board, Halliburton should have been off the board next. Mm-hmm. Look, here's the thing: this, this isn't a hindsight move. This isn't a hindsight move. Like, if you were to say that, like, like, look, if you want to say that you should think Halliburton over Killian Hayes, that's a hindsight move. No yeah. not only is it debatable right now; it's also hindsight. In the moment, they looked at pretty equal prospects. But look, it doesn't take hindsight to say. I'm the Phoenix Suns. Our front court is crowded. Jalen Smith's best role on our team is going to be as a bench four and five behind Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton will be a great first guard off the bench who would learn a lot from Chris Paul. And Chris Paul is like 39. He's mm-hmm. going to retire or leave at some point. Having someone who's learning from him would probably be really good for our continuity. That, that That's, that's not hindsight. That's not hindsight. I said that the moment the draft happened. I said that the moment the draft happened. I was texting you. I said, they need to take Halliburton. The Suns need to take Halliburton. They need a guard. They need a guard. What?
0: Chris Paul, who you just went after, by the way, younger than LeBron James.
1: Really? Yes. By wow. six months. Yeah, okay, but LeBron's a monster. LeBron, LeBron's not a human being. That's like telling me that they're younger than Tom Brady. That they're older, like younger than Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady's a monster. You can't compare yourself. You can't compare mm-hmm. yourself to the goats. Yeah. Uh, now I don't think this is like an all-time draft blunder. And I mean, we'll have to see what Jalen Smith can do. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he winds up being the perfect four next to DeAndre Aiden. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. But, like, I think this is the most egregious draft failure in this year's draft. I think that of all the teams that passed on Tyrese Halliburton, the team that should regret the most is the Phoenix Suns.
0: Yeah, most likely because not only to go apart, and this is something I know you brought up to me, maybe it was during the draft or recently after, but I don't think it was in your notes. I haven't got to look. But if you look at a guy that was on the board, Tyrese Halliburton for the Phoenix Suns, and you know Chris Paul is coming to the team, you can look no further than the development of Shea Gildish Alexander under Chris Paul in OKC with like almost exactly the same dimensions and skill set and flow to his game as Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese a little bit more of a shooter. Shea likes to get into the basket, a little more crafty around the rim, but both pretty much just six, five long guards that can run any combo guard position you want. And Shea has developed into an all-star player this year. Like his putting up like 25 a game. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Tyrese Halliburton has been so good for the Sacramento Kings team already. I just, I can't imagine how good he would be if he was under the tutelage of Devin Booker and Chris Paul on a daily basis since the beginning of the draft. Like Mm -hmm. if since July he was on this Phoenix Suns team, it would be a different monster.
1: And he's really good. Like the Kings, great move taking him. The Mm -hmm. Sacramento Kings are currently 12 and 14, which is the best record they've had in a long time. (laughs) It's good for eleventh, best in the West. Mm-hmm. They're doing really good, and why? Yeah, because they're giving the ball to De'Aaron Fox and getting out of the way. Finally, <sighs> look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own this. I'm gonna own this. I was not always a full believer in De'Aaron Fox, but the reason I think that I deserve, I think I deserve forgiveness, because the reason I was not a full believer in De'Aaron Fox was because I was always curious. Why aren't they just giving the ball to Fox and getting out of the way? Yeah. Now they finally do win and they're winning. I'm like, oh, I I think I'm entitled to not take a hater card for that, you know? (laughs) I think that's a fair fair critique when the coaches finally realize, hey, we've got a really great player. Let's just give him the ball and let him ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, if they've been giving De'Aaron Fox the ball they have been, the way they have been so far in the last few games, he'd probably be in that all-star conversation in the Western Conference right
1: now. It's, it's almost like giving the best player on your team who's an amazing three-level player the ball will help you win games. Mind-blowing. Golden Triangle, man. Listen to it. I'm going to put that in writing soon. Make it your Bible. Put it on your walls. It, 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 it never fails. It never fails. Check Every it out single it. time. It never Check- fails.
0: Check it out at the ball talk official IG. If you're, if you're curious, we got lots of information about the Golden triangle on the Instagram, you know, running up. Don't
1: be, and ask questions. I'll answer. I don't do anything with my life.
0: Get in the comments,
1: get in the comments, get in my DMs. I will answer. I've got mm-hmm. nothing better to do with my life. I I'll, I've got all my homework and I'm on top of it. I have no social life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spend Valentine's day alone.
0: <laughs> I agree. The Sacramento team's king. Sacramento team's king. The Sacramento <laughs> king is is much more exciting than I thought they would be. And it obviously is just on the back of De'Aaron Fox being the most, one of the more electrifying players in the NBA. Kid's probably the fastest guy in the league right now, even with the ball in his hands. And to be able to push the ball up and down the floor the way he does and attack and create is, is something special. It's something I hope that we get to see a lot more of out of Sacramento. And,
1: I mean, it's not just De'Aaron Fox. It is a lot of De'Aaron Fox. It's a mm-hmm. lot of De'Aaron Fox. Oh, yeah. Halliburton, we talked about him a while ago. He's been an amazing compliment to him. He's By been least. great on the defensive end, great on the offensive end as a spot-up shooter, a great secondary playmaker. He's just been amazing. Mm-hmm. Barnes and Heald on the wings have been great spacing. Barnes mm-hmm. has been locking up on defense. Heald has been playing better than he usually does on defense. And Rashad Holmes is probably the most underrated center in the league. I love Rashad Holmes. Rashad Holmes is probably the second-best player on this team. and That's not like a slight on him. I sat down and I thought about it. I think he'd be a top three player on almost every team in the league. Like Brooklyn, obviously he'd be fourth. But take yeah. a second and think. Maybe Philadelphia, he'd be he'd be fourth because he'd be coming off the bench. Do
0: you have him better than Drew Holiday?
1: I have it as a conversation. And the fit next to Giannis, honestly, with the fit next to Giannis, yeah. Is he better than Montrez or Dennis Schroeder? Oh, definitely. No, if that he was is. on the Lakers, he'd be starting and he'd be the third best player on that starting five, I think. See, I
0: love Rashawn Holmes. I don't know if he's better than Dennis Schroeder, but that's, I think mm, I think a lot fun. of what he provides is definitely very valuable. And the way that he impacts the game at his size being not necessarily undersized, but I'm pretty sure he's only like 6'10, which is... like he's,
1: whatever it is. He's he's big though. He's got the long arms and he's got mm-hmm. he's got a good he, he doesn't need to be inside. It's it's one of the reasons why I think he'd be better than all of these guys is because yeah. of the fit on offense. Yeah, he can. For one, he's got that crazy floater that's always going in. Mm. I love it. He's got a little bit of a shot. He rebounds hard. He works hard on defense. He switches a bit, a, a bit. He's not like true hybrid pose level, but he switches. He switches. He'll do he a switch. Switches. He'll do a switch. You can't like just throw him at somebody, but you're like, oh, he switches. Okay, we can live with this. Get him. Yeah. Someone tag him quickly, but it's fine. Yeah. He's like, I got it, I got it. Who's helping? All right, where's my help? You're <laughs> behind me. That, that's me. That, no, that's not me. I got, I got him. I got help. I got help. <laughs> Where is everybody? No, no. Holmes, Holmes is good.
0: No, I like Holmes Bishon. Holmes good.
1: And look, like, unfortunately for the Kings, like, <laughs> unfortunately, honestly. <laughs> oh, man, I had a funny in my notes. Unfortunately for the Kings, they're not in the Eastern Conference. They do not have the luxury of being able to make the playoffs as a sub-500 team. Yeah. They don't have the luxury of constantly playing teams that are in disarray. They don't have the luxury of playing teams that are okay with losing. They are 12-14, and 14 and they're going to need to get to 0. .500 probably to make the play-in tournament. And
0: unfortunately with the Sacramento Kings, their head coach is still Luke Walton, who just give, – give him some time away. Let him try to figure it out. Lukey, baby, we, we got a lot of respect for you, but the head, for coach you, and dog, the head coaching job for the Sacramento Kings – it's clearly not your calling. I think I think you need to realize that you're better than this, Luke, and let it go. Try to find an assistant coach job for a team that will actually win so
1: you can get another good-paying head coaching job another time soon. Uh, uh, yeah. I, mean, to, I still got my Luke Walton jersey. I still got my Luke Walton jersey. I, still got my, I literally have physical Luke Walton stock,
0: you know? And, look, God rest his soul. You know, say Kobe used to always say that he knew Luke Walton was going to be a great coach from what he did on the floor. He, like – If Kobe Bean Bryant says that he knows that this guy has good basketball IQ and will become a good coach in the future, I'm going to believe him. And I think Luke Walton has the tools, but he hasn't been able to put it together. Maybe Sacramento's not the place for him. I think he needs
1: to do another tutelage under somebody, you know, learn from like a Mike Dantone. Learn from someone, because I feel like with Steve Kerr, it was a lot of we're going to run this system and whoever comes in is just going to run the system.
0: Go to Philly, run with Doc.
1: But I think he needs to learn. I think he needs to take some time with maybe Tyrone Lou, someone who adjusts mm-hmm. to the personnel yeah. at an extreme level. I think that's his biggest flaw as a coach, which is correctable. Mm-hmm. I also think he's got issues with rotation management, but that is also correctable. That comes with knowing how to put your players in a situation that suits them the best. Yeah. I would love to see him take a little bit more time to work on that because I think he could be a great coach. I think everything else he does is pretty great. And he gets to work on his timeout management also, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to get into my old Lakers notes. I'm not going to go <laughs> dig through my notes and figure out, find all my old Luke Walton rants. <laughs> I'm not going to text my old editor at the justice and see what I've got lying around from that, from those days, the dog days. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> let's keep it positive we, though. because Let's keep it positive. We mentioned Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. the rookies, man, this year, the rookies have exceeded the casual fans expectations. Draft geeks are sitting there saying, yeah, we told you guys these guys are going to be good. We told you. They've done exactly what you expected. Look, I love that. I love that. The rookies have stepped up, man. Yeah. From outside the top ten, Devin Vassell, Cole Anthony, Isaiah Seward, Sadiq Bey, just one player of the week, I think. Literally one Eastern Conference player of the week last uh, week. Emmanuel Quickly, Peyton Pritchard, Jaden McDaniels, Desmond Bain, Tao Maladon, Xavier Tillman, CJ Ellaby. That's, those are they, – they, and there's more. All mm-hmm. these guys have stepped up hardcore for their team. The guys I just named are all the guys who have stepped up so hardcore for their team so far. There are yes. plenty of just stepped up and filled their role in a much more quiet sense.
0: In a much more second-round pick typical rookie sense. A lot of these guys are exceeding expectations. Like Emmanuel Quickly could have been drafted 16th overall, and you would say he's still having a great rookie season for what he's brought to the team this year. Like, Emmanuel
1: Quickly is flat out just having a great. <laughs> he's third third on the rookie ladder last time I saw for rookie of the year. Yeah, like these these are all guys that were drafted outside the top ten. Generally, you get a pick outside the top ten. You know, what? You're, you're you're just happy if you get a guy that stays in the league. You
0: know. Yeah, you're happy They're, if all four years of his contract are serviceable. Like
1: <laughs> If you get four years of serviceable play, you're happy. I'd say everyone, who, those guys we just named, their teams are ecstatic.
0: Yeah. Their teams
1: are ecstatic that they got these players. Like, you'd hope. Like, all these guys have stepped up and played winning basketball.
0: Mm-hmm. DJ
1: Ellaby sat up and <laughs> stepped up and played winning basketball the other day when the when the Portland Trailblazers had, like, nobody on their roster. Yeah. He's a this shooter. Is, Don't sleep on that, boy. This is unusual for any draft.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To have this many strong role players, it's great to see. Oh, we didn't even mention the undrafted guys. Yeah. And by undrafted guys, I mean the entire Houston Rockets, everyone that's working for the Houston Rockets. Jason uh, Jones, Jason Jones. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They're going off. They're going off. They're balling.
0: Yeah. They're
1: balling. I love it. It's, it's amazing. I love seeing it, man.
0: I think it's one of these things that has grown with the NBA and evolved since like we started watching and before, obviously, is that a lot of the role players and a lot of what executives and teams thought was needed to win championships or develop your team was to have good vets in the locker room, up and down your rotation, guys who knew how to play, guys who could figure out the system. And what I'm starting to see and what I think a lot of teams are starting to see now is that you put these young guys and just get some guys that are hungry and get guys that want to hoop, want to play. And put them out there, cause the vets are gonna be there. We know what they can do for you. But if this young kid that you don't know anything about comes out and starts dropping twenty a game, starts getting three steals a game, starts showing that he can clap up with the best of them, guess what? You just got yourself a gem there. The vet's not gonna change for you. So getting these rookies out and letting them play. A guy like Tyrese Halliburton—not to stay too much on the Kings—but he's been closing out games down the stretch for them. Like he is probably he's part of their the best- closing lineup. He's probably the best off-the-dribble shooter on that team, and that's no disrespect to Buddy Heald, but he just does a lot of cash-and-shoot stuff. Tyrese Halliburton creates. He takes a step back mid-east. He takes long threes, and he makes them down the stretch. And for a rookie to not only be given the keys to take late-game shots, but to make them and so effortlessly. Like, it's very rare you see a Tyrese Halliburton running all over the floor, just made a three-game winner. It's like, nah, he sized you up. He hit the step back. We're up one going into this timeout. Let's get a stop right now. You know, like he's calm, cool, collected in the interviews. Cole Anthony, the same thing. Hits a game winner. He just gets an interview. I want to win more games. Like this is a lot of a mentality from the young guys that are coming into the league and realizing what it takes to be great and what it takes to work hard. And these rookies are doing real well. And for me, what it is, is that throughout the whole draft, we were saying that next year's draft is supposed to be where all the stars are at. Where all the real talent is, is that the next guys coming up are going to be elite. So if these guys are doing this, what's the 21, 21 class have for us, John?
1: Oh, let me just tell you, it's going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. I, I sat there the other day and I was just looking at the names and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And I, I mean, I need to watch a little more college ball before I go on record and give my thoughts on a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you from what I've seen from Kuminga and Kate Cunningham. Yeah. I, I dogs. Jalen Suggs too. Those dogs. three, those three guys, have flat out impressed me with what they've done. Just flat out impressed me. I those love th-
0: it. Those three guys legitimately look like they could make a jump to being like a borderline NBA
1: All Star in their first season. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be shocked if, if <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even be sh- if all three of them came in and were like All Star levels as rookies. I mean, I'd be shocked if all I- three of them. But, like, if one of them made an, all, made an all-star, made all I'd be like, yeah, of course. They're ballers. Like, they're <laughs> ballers. Certified ballers. These kids are valid. They are speak, absolutely electric. Speaking of certified ballers, mm-hmm. the big baller himself, LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. They're just awesome. They're so and, fun. They're, I love watching them. I love it. Their, pace, their space, I love mm-hmm. it. They're boats, they're running, I love it. The yeah. question is... What do they do? They're currently 13 and 15. Hey, they're just as bad as the Kings. Yep. And they're the 16 in the East, which would give them an at-large bid into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do they ride this team into the playoffs? Do they blow it up? Do they start retooling while remaining competitive? Shout out to the Atlanta Hawks. Chaz, what do they do? I mean,
0: this, this Hornets team, I think they're going to hopefully be able to retool this stay competitive maybe drop into a playing seat and get some more pieces but the way they're playing right now they just they got too much talent on the roster and so all i see in this hornets team is you got too many guys in the backcourt who with the ball in their hands can create like i go down the list terry rosier has been an absolute baller for them this absolutely. guy
1: absolutely i think he if he wasn't on the charlotte hornets he'd be an all-star this year I, I have him
0: on, like, right outside. I literally have Terry Rozier on, like, almost the same level as Zach Levine this season for what he's done for his team. He's been so good. Gordon Hayward has been a lot better than most people thought he was going to be for this team. LaMelo Ball has stepped up. When he's starting the guard for them, he's been, like, 25-6 and for this team. He's been really, really good for the Charlotte Hornets. I love the way he runs the floor with a guy like Miles Bridges who will go get any lob. Malik Monk seems to barely play for them but when he does he drops like 30 a game so I don't know why he just doesn't get minutes. Vate Graham another great guard like those are four guys right there if you don't count Gordon Hayward who are four great ball dominant well great is a big stretch four good scoring ball dominant guards who cannot coexist on the same team maybe two maybe three with one off the bench, but you can't have a tandem of ball-dominant scoring guards off the bench and starting. It's never going to work. So I hope that the guy like Terry Rosier can get moved. I know the Clippers' rumors were big to start the season. I don't know what they think about that anymore. But this Hornets team, man, if they can bring in – but on the flip side, if they could bring in a guy like Andre Drummond on the buyout market, who I don't think is a huge piece for them, but it could put them over the edge
1: so like, no, they'll be yeah, better than the to, Pacers. I mean, not to be rude, like they, they're, they're playing Bismarck-Biombo like, yeah. as the starting center <laughs> when Cody Zeller isn't playing, which is every other game because Cody's been having some bad luck this year. Mm-hmm. Adding an Andre Drummond, adding even like a Blake Griffin, couldn't yeah. be big.
0: <laughs> couldn't be big. Yeah, because you think about a big man rotation with uh, Andre Drummond, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, and then Bismack Biyombo or Cody Zeller when he's back. Like, that's – Cody Zeller and Andre Drummond provide a nice little difference in bigs, and then you have P.J. and Miles Bridges who can both space the floor. It's, it's an interesting team they're building in Charlotte. I really like what Michael Jordan's putting together.
1: I, <laughs> me, I love them. I love this team also. And mm. I think they just have to keep running it. Keep building around, Melo. Look, if you wind up winning, that's sweet. Who doesn't love winning? Mm-hmm. If you don't, also sweet. You know, you get a nice little pick. Losing does not develop good habits. Chaz, how many players from the process era Sixers are still on the Sixers that played in a game during the process era?
0: I believe it's just the two core pieces
1: left. No, Ben Simmons did not even play. Ben Simmons did not oh, play one. He was out for that. He was out. Joel Embiid played 33 games. Everyone else was shipped out. When it was finally time to make the playoffs – Everyone was shipped out for new pieces and players that had won before. Mm -hmm. I don't like tanking. I don't think tanking wins games. You have to put your guys in a position where they are enabled and encouraged to win games. Flat lottery odds have only made that more of a necessity. Mm -hmm. There's and they've got pieces they need to develop. You have to develop Bridges' defense. You have to develop Washington's defense. He's a great piece, also. I love. I Mm -hmm. love PJ Washington. PJ's a bucket. The Hayward edition. he's great. He can flat out play. He's a great mentor for everyone because he's been a winner. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to do pr- – what can't he do on the court? Like, yeah. Tell me. Like, what can't he do? He's been an all-star one time only. I, I think he actually has an argument this season almost, not mm-hmm. a strong one. If he wasn't on Charlotte, he would have a much stronger one. Yeah. If, but there there is two question marks in my opinion. Yeah. Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. And – you mentioned Malik Monk, but I don't, think, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're getting any offers from Malik Monk that are worth passing him on. So I don't, I'm not going to count him as a question mark. Well, That's obviously, fair. if you got a sick deal for Malik Monk, I think you just ship out Malik Monk. That's fair. I think it's better for both parties. I think both parties would like a restart. But I also think that it's not at the point where it's like, oh, my God, we need to restart. So I'm going to say they have to keep Malik Monk. But two big questions. Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier. Rozier is having a career year. And is owed mm-hmm. just a little under 18 million next season. Graham, on the other hand, career worst year. Well, not worst, but he's he's been struggling. Yeah. Career struggling year. And is a restricted free agent this offseason. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. I don't know what you're supposed to do like with that. What 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 do you do? You, you- do you go do you keep both? Do you wait to see what kind of offer Devontae Graham's going to get? Do you try and sign and trade Graham? Definitely don't pull a, uh, a, a Bogdanovich on him. You make sure he knows if he's getting signed and traded. Mm-hmm. What's up? What are you thinking?
0: I mean, look, if I'm sitting down in this Hornets front office, I, well, first and foremost, I'm trying to iron out a, an extension on Devontae Graham. I'm trying to take advantage of his career not so great year right now and be like, look, you had this. But we got a guy in LaMelo Ball that we like coming up. We want you to be a part of the team. Here's a three-year, $30 million. What do you like about it? Because I think $10 million a year for Devontae Graham is something that, if he performs at the level he was last season, will be a steal. If he performs at a mediocre to average level, is a contract that's probably movable. Somewhere around three years, $30 million would make sense to me. And then once you get that deal ironed out, I think it's it's all phones are on for who wants Terry Rozier right now. Because yeah. I think they should just roll forward with Vontae and Lamelo, And you use Malik Monk off the bench. I like Malik Monk as like a Lou Will, Jordan Clarkson, just bucket off the bench. That's what he does. He gets buckets. Just let him do that. Put defenders around him and let him score because it'll work out really well for you, Charlotte. But, yeah, I mean, for, for me, obviously, I think you try to get Vontae that extension – And then you take trade offers for Terry Rozier because Rozier is so good now and he's going to keep being good that I don't think the Charlotte Hornets are trying to win right now. You're trying to let LaMelo become the star player when you're winning. So I think you you trade Rozier after the Vontae extension and you let him and Vontae start as the guards, LaMelo and Vontae, obviously, and then run it from there. I think that's an exciting team for Charlotte.
1: It's funny because I actually think – I mean, I don't think the full opposite – but I think the opposite. I think you got to move. I think that, I mean, I like Graham. I like Devontae Graham a lot. Mm. I think that there's probably still a lot of value in him. Mm-hmm. For Terry Rogier, I think there's a lot of value in him, but I think you should keep him around. I think you should keep him around at least at least past this trade deadline. I think that he has given a lot of value to, to LaMelo Ball, and I'm not sure that Graham can be uh, a, a voice as a guard. Graham's only in his third year right now. LaMelo's in his first. Graham has played for two years. Graham's essentially a sophomore. Mm -hmm. I think that for someone like LaMelo Ball, you need a strong guard voice in his ear at all times. I think that it's important for every rookie to have a strong voice from a player who plays their position. Let's look quick. James Wiseman, he's got Draymond Green. Mm -hmm. LaMelo Ball has Terry Rozier. Tyrese Halliburton, he's got De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, if I had something written down, I would go through some more teams. I Emmanuel any-
0: Quickly, he's got Alec Burks and RJ <laughs> Barrett.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but Emmanuel Quickly, they got him. They said Alfred Payton isn't enough. They got him, Derek Rose. Yeah. They went out and they found him a mentor. They went out for it. Mm-hmm. They, they, it that's what you need. What what you need. So I like the idea of keeping Devontae Graham at least until you find someone new to pick up that role, which is – I mean, I was, I was kind of expecting DJ Augustine to become that kind of guy that would just go bouncing team to team being mm-hmm. that mentor. But, I mean, the Bucks thought that he's a six-man-of-the-year candidate, so they signed him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the Bucks Milwaukee. make
0: questionable decisions all the time.
1: Milwaukee, what are you doing? All yeah. right.
0: Last thing I want to say about the Hornets, and I, it is going to wrap it to what we're doing after this, so don't, don't be too worried. Go for it. I'm uh, always worried.
1: Don't worry. I live in that, a constant state of worriness.
0: One thing that the Hornets might be benefiting from in their 13-15 and 15 record as a sixth seed is the fact that they are in the Eastern Conference, John. I remember hey, you said hey, something hey, about the East and the West earlier. What was
1: it? Hey, Chaz. Remember when we started this episode and I said, we'll mostly focus on the West. And then I said, mm-hmm. hey, Chaz, can you please ask me why we will mostly focus on the West?
0: Yeah. Why are we talking about the West?
1: Well, later has come. Chaz, can you please ask me why we are mostly focusing on the West?
0: Why is the Western Conference the most focused on a conference
1: in this episode, John? Because the West is so <laughs> much more fun. No, not even just better. They're, they're, they're not even just better. The second-worst team in the West is more fun to watch than most playoff teams in the East. I would rather watch the Thunder and the Rockets instead of most teams in the East. I don't want to start naming names. But, dude, (laughs) the Sacramento Kings are more fun to watch than any team in the East, except for maybe the Charlotte Hornets. The Thunder and the Rockets, they're just awesome. The stories that are going around those teams – are better than any story around any team in the east. Mm-hmm. And I think all three of those western teams I named would be in the freaking playoffs in the east. The east still <laughs> sucks. Stop pretending they're good. Stop pretending. <clears throat> Excuse me, stop pretending the east is good. If the Nets were playing the west, were playing a west a western conference schedule, they'd be a 6 seed. Oh, you don't believe me? Do you don't you believe me? If they were in the West with their current record, they would literally be the 8th seed. The 8th seed. They, yep. they, they're, they, they would literally <laughs> be the 8th seed. The, the, the Nuggets are 0. .577, 15 and 11. The Nets are 16 and 12 for 0. .571.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They would be the 8th seed. They'd be, they'd be a they be game ahead of the they'll be one game ahead of the Warriors They'd, they'd be the eighth seed. Yeah, they- if, if I'm not done. I'm not done. Go, don't call me ahead. yet. They're in the freaking three seed in the East right now. The three And don't and don't get it twisted. Don't don't get it twisted. It's not a shot on the nets. When you're in the East, you get to rest your guys. Kyrie can disappear for two weeks. You can trade your entire roster in the middle of the season and adjust on the fly and still be the title favorites. I I don't want anyone coming to me saying that the East is strong this year. I would literally take the entire top (laughs) nine or ten teams in the West right now to make the Eastern Conference Finals if they were in the East. Maybe they need a little luck. Maybe they need a good matchup or two. But I still feel comfy saying that. I, I, I do feel comfy saying that. I don't even feel scared to say it. I'd take almost 10 teams in the West to make the Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference Finals. I feel comfy saying that. God. God.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it has to be said, we are really looking at a, a battle of the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference at this point in the NBA season. We've got three teams in the East above 55% win percentage versus seven in the west only five teams in the east are even above 500 where we have nine in the west right now that are at or above 500 a four seed in the east would be tied for the eighth or basically out of what would traditionally be the playoffs in the western conference right now Is the state of the eastern conference and i mean there's not much I could say. I was, I literally, literally was trying to think of an excuse and I can't think of one. The Eastern Conference just isn't as good as the West. They don't have, the teams aren't able to get stars the same way the Western Conference teams are able to get stars. They don't seem to have the same rhythm and flow to their game. Like watching two bottom level Eastern Conference teams, I'm not going to name any names, but if I, <laughs> there's some games that I can make sure that I don't have to tune into when there's six games on tonight because it's just not going to be a good basketball game. It's just – there's periods of the Eastern Conference basketball where I watch just turnover after turnover. And it's not to say it doesn't happen in the West, but when it's going on between the sixth and the eighth seed and I just have four straight turnovers, this is not what I expect in the NBA. Oh, man. And even furthermore, I think the seventh seed in the East right now would be home court in a one-win, make-it-in, play-in, play playoff game or they could lose as the seventh seed and still have a chance to win and be the eighth seed in the playoffs is only a half a game up on the 11th seed in the Western Conference right now. Meaning the home court easiest to make the playoffs playing team in the West would have the hardest schedule to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference right now. The 14th seed in the Western Conference, that OKC Thunder team we were talking about, would be tied for ninth place right now with the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors, I think for a play-in berth at the playoffs. It, it's just outrageous. At the end of the day, I looked at the, the top 30 teams in the league, win percentage, obviously. Six bottom teams are from the Eastern Conference. Seven of the top 10 teams in the NBA, my win percentage, are in the Western Conference. And you know what? 10 is generous because that 10th team is the Brooklyn Nets. So really seven of the top nine are in the Western Conference right now. That's utter domination from any league. I don't think I've really seen – not disparity, but it just such a difference in competition levels Of on a nightly basis in the Western Conference you're going against at least a five hundred team and a team that has playoff aspirations, whereas in the Eastern Conference, you can get a stretch of teams where it's just like half of the rosters not here, and they're trying to tag for Kate anyway. so what is the point <laughs> like
1: and just to add to that like i mean how if you're the best team in the East, you should be beating up on Eastern Conference teams and have the best record. How, how is the one seed in the – usually there's a LeBron team in the East or a team that's trying to beat LeBron in the East that is going all out and has an amazing record. Or there's the Milwaukee Bucks every year that are just doing the same thing to win every game. How is the one seed in the East the four seed in the West? By half a game, they would be the five, they're a half a game away from the five seed in the West – how? It's not even home court. Like it's How? not even home court. I just I don't get the numbers. I just don't get. I look. I'm. I don't get the math. Except that the West is just beating up on the East. It's the only thing that makes sense. It makes yeah. no sense to me looking at this. How? How? I, I, I'm gonna go back to this. I'd take the entire West. I would take the entire West. 10 seed in the West right now. Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, that's a good team. You're telling me right now, right now, to make. The Eastern Conference Finals: Dallas Mavericks versus Milwaukee Bucks. How comfortable are you that Luca's going to win? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm comfortable. Um, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. Got, They've been solved. The Bucks have been solved.
0: Yeah, they they're got still Chris, running
1: it back the exact same way.
0: Kristaps, Maxi, and uh, Dwight Powell together can form enough of a wall to stop Giannis. Like it's, it's. I'm taking.
1: I'm taking the Mavericks. <laughs> I'm taking the Mavericks. Uh, uh, the, the Celtics or the Pacers. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the Mavericks. I'm feel, the, the Mavericks are the best player on the floor. I'm taking the Mavericks. <laughs> yeah. The only teams that I wouldn't – oh, my God, the sixth seed in the East. The New York Knicks. Am I taking the Knicks or am I taking the Mavericks? I'm taking the Mavericks. Psych, <laughs> like Maple Jordan for 40 every game all the way to the finals. The only teams that I have any belief that could beat the Mavericks in the Eastern conference that I'm like, yeah, they'll beat the Mavericks. The 76ers. And I, I hope, I hope the Nets, I hope, but it's more of a hope than it is that I feel confident. Like they're, they're building a team on the fly. They've called them so many. Oh my God. I have no, no hope for any of that. Or what about Dame? What about Dame against all those guys? I'm taking Dame. The Warriors, I'm taking the Warriors. Well, this Depend- is even a question. <laughs> Depending on how Jaron Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow look when they return, I'd take the Grizz to, the- to go to the finals. i take the Grizz to the finals if they both come back playing well.
0: I mean, the Celtics, obviously, Jason Tatum has struggled a little bit of late. They're going to have something to say about that. I think they are a very good team with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum oh, I- right now.
1: I think so too. I'm just, I'm good. Everyone else on that (laughs) roster is what my question mark. I know what I'm getting from Jason Tatum. He's an amazing player. I know what I'm getting from Jalen Brown. He's going off. Mm. Everyone else on that roster, what? Yeah. No. I just, I'm looking through it. I'm looking, I think that the Suns would be title favorites if they were in the East.
0: Chris Paul led team.
1: Chris Paul led team. Those Suns, yeah, they match up great against everybody. Who don't they match up good against? You got DeAndre Eden down low, you got Mikael Bridges and CP3 at the front. You got Cam Johnson and Devin Booker and Jay Crowder and all these guys. Like,
0: didn't didn't want any dead air, but I legitimately couldn't think of a team that the Phoenix Suns don't match up well with in the Eastern Conference.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. you're not worried about a switch.
0: I mean, like, it's, it's like two different basketballs.
1: It. It's two like, different basketballs. The, yeah. There's two different philosophies going on. In the West, they're playing winning basketball. My whole Golden Triangle theory might fall apart because I don't know if there's two teams in the East that have a three-level player and a hybrid post. I don't know if there's two teams that even have that. I'm, I'm stretching it to say that the Philadelphia Sony ers have one. Yeah. I, I am stretching it to say that the Milwaukee Bucks have one. Mm-hmm. I, I have stretched the definition to put those two in that, in that place.
0: Even the Heat with the way Jimmy Butler shoots the three nowadays because he even considered a three-level player at this stage in his career? Shh.
1: Hey, if I love Jimmy, last playoffs, but if he plays like last playoffs, then he does, but are they even going to make the playoffs? <laughs> they're like the 11th seed right now. They're, 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 they're yeah, losing
0: they're
1: everything. Mm-hmm. Oh they're my they're
0: goodness. Right it's definitely a big problem in the Eastern conference. And I, I think it'll even out throughout the season. Obviously, you know me, I'm an optimistic guy. I hope these teams are going to come back and actually be a little bit more competitive throughout the season, but, the way that this the season has turned out so far, if if by the end of it, I see a team in eighth or ninth, that would be fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference. I'm gonna come out and say it. If we're doing a bubble playoffs, there's no reason to not rank this one to sixteen and get it going. Get these Eastern Conference five, six, seven, eight out of here.
1: Just just I have, have the Western Conference <laughs> games start at like three thirty p.m. Western Conference time. I don't get it. That's, that's the issue that people cite. They're like, oh, the start times would suck for the Eastern Conference. Guess what? If the LA Lakers are playing the San Antonio Spurs, like their starting time is 3.30. Sorry. Like build the bubble in California. Like, <laughs> you can't. There's no fans there. Build the bubble in Atlanta. <laughs> there's no fans in the bubble anyway. <laughs> Just like, oh man, I didn't think i do what baseball did, but that's a whole different discussion.
0: Building in Texas, like you know, there's so many places in the Western Conference, conference host that you could build a bubble. There's so many things they could be doing, but I want to see the one to sixteen with you could have a play in tournament. I don't mind it. One to sixteen, you go twelve to sixteen versus seventeen to twenty, they all gotta play. That's cool with me. Side that. note, I don't want to get into it too much. I think the way the play tournament is actually hosted is way stupider than it was last year. I don't really Agreed. like the 7v8, 9v10. I don't know Agreed. why it isn't just 7, 10, 8, 9. But that's a topic for another day.
1: Yeah, put some <laughs> pressure on them. Put some pressure on them. Sweet. <laughs> I think that would be sweet. I think that would be sweet. I think that would be sweet. A 7, 3-game series. I'd love that.
0: Seven ten, and the tens got to win two. The sevens got to win one. That's all it is. That's a regular elimination series. You give them the advantage because they finish
1: seventh. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's
0: how this works, guys. I don't know why we're doing it another the way.
1: Ugh. All right, this is great rant.
0: This has been ball talk, man. Great way
1: to end this. Great way to end an episode. A great rant. Lots of emotions flying. Chaz, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thank you to all of our listeners and supporters. This has been ball talk. Hold it down.
0: It's ball talk, it's ball talk, baby, it's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby, it's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby, it's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby, 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 baby.